What a wonderful time and worship we've had tonight. I have a word for you from the Lord tonight. Let's pray. God, I thank you that the kingdom of God is always strength and never weakness. The enemy works over time to pull us out of the flow of the kingdom, to remove us from your strength and to pull us down into the place of weakness. But Father, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would lift us up as a people, that you'd make us strong. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not being pumped through the speakers right now, is it? No. No. I'm getting kind of an echo up here. Maybe you can turn it off in the monitors. Okay, it's... Oh. Okay. All right. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I'm reading out of Ephesians chapter 3. The Lord has been speaking this to me all week long, and it's been changing my life. What I'm learning is that every week is a new revelational journey. That's what I love about God. God never stops revealing himself. Every week is a new revelational journey. You know what I find? Is that he awakens me morning by morning and awakens my ears to listen as one being instructed. Every morning he's got something new. Every day he's got something new. Somebody asked me, man, you update your Twitter and Facebook like every four hours. And it's true. I drop something deep every four hours. You know why? Because the Lord never stops talking. He never says, when are you going to run out? Well, when the Lord runs out. When the Lord runs out, I'll run out. How many know if you're walking with Jesus, you never run out of encouragement. You never run out of strength. Because God never runs out. In order for me to run out, God has to run out. And that just ain't happening. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. Are you there? This is what it says. For this reason I bow before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want to look at it in the New King James Version, verse 16. And the New King James Version says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man. Tonight I want to talk to you about the strength of the inner man. I declare to you tonight by the word of the Lord that God comes to strengthen your inner man. And everything that God does, he does for the purpose of strengthening you in your inner man. Everything that the enemy does... He does for the purpose of weakening you in your inner man. God knows that if he strengthens your inner man, there's nothing that's impossible to you. The enemy knows that if he weakens your inner man, there's nothing that's possible to you. God knows that if he strengthens your inner man, even the things that are impossible for you become possible. When he strengthened Peter's inner man, he was able to walk on water. When he strengthened the inner man of the disciples, they were able to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and preach the kingdom. He was able to take individuals that were weak in the natural and make them strong in the spirit. And when they became strong in the spirit, they became strong in the natural as well. All day long, every day, God is constantly trying to strengthen your inner man. And Satan is constantly trying to weaken your inner man. And you and I have a continual choice who we're going to cooperate with. Because the fact of the matter is, the state of your inner man right now depends upon your cooperation. God's trying to strengthen you. The enemy's trying to weaken you. Whichever one you cooperate with is going to win. And that cooperation is called faith. Unbelief is a form of faith. It's not believing God, but it is believing the devil. And so Satan is attempting to pull you out of the flow of the kingdom by pulling you into the place of weakness and weakening you in your inner man. Now, when we're talking about the inner man, we're distinguishing the inner man from the outward man. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Though our outward man is wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. It's interesting that Paul was able to make a distinction between his outward man and his inward man. So much of a distinction that the opposite could be happening outwardly and inwardly. For most of us believers in Jesus Christ, we don't know how to make such a distinction. So when something goes wrong outwardly, we assume that something's wrong inwardly. As soon as the outward man starts to waste away, we allow the inward man to begin to waste away as well. So that as soon as we walk through a trial, which is an outward trial, we start walking through an inward trial as well. We allow it to challenge our faith and to bring us to the place of frustration and discouragement and depression. And now we're living in the realm of impossibility. Jesus said all things are possible. Two things. With God, number one, he said all things are possible with God. And number two, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, all of us believe everything is possible for God. Right? You don't have to have any faith to believe that. Even demons believe that. All things are possible for God. But if you don't believe anything's possible for you, then believing that everything's possible for God is irrelevant. Remember the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness when they said, why did their bodies drop in the wilderness? Because of unbelief, right? But there's no place in that narrative where they said God is not able to bring us into the promised land. Their, their unbelief towards God was never direct. It was always indirect. You know what they said? We are not able. And God said, then you don't trust me. They said, we look like grasshoppers. And God said, then you must think I'm a grasshopper. Your self-image will always flow from your God image. Once you realize that you are in relationship with God, you cannot separate your self-image from your God image. If you think you're hoopty, then you're, you're accusing God of being hoopty. You're hearing me tonight. And so the people of Israel in the wilderness said, we are not able, and God said, then you're going to die in the desert. To say that all things are possible for God is still unbelief. But to say that all things are possible with God, there's got to be someone with him in order for it to be a with. All things are possible with God means that when you are with him, nothing's impossible for you. So in order to believe that all things are possible for God, you have to say all things are possible for me. In other words, if you think anything is impossible for you, then you're living in the realm of unbelief towards God. And then Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything. Now remember, this is in Mark 9. When Jesus is up on the mountain and his disciples are down in the valley trying to heal this little boy who was spasming and having seizures. And, and the Bible says he had a demon. And when Jesus came down, there was a big argument going on because the disciples of Jesus couldn't do what they were supposed to do. Sound familiar? Whenever believers in Jesus Christ find that they can't do the Jesus stuff, they decide to start arguments instead. We think the next best thing is to argue about stuff. And Jesus was ticked off. He called them a faithless and unbelieving generation. A church that does nothing but argue with others and argue with themselves is faithless and unbelieving. We shouldn't be arguing. We should be simply working the works of Jesus. Are you hearing me tonight? So Jesus says, what's happening here? And the man comes and says, I brought my son to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. And when they bring the boy to Jesus, the boy falls down and starts spasming right there. The demons begin screaming out of the boy. And, the, and Jesus says, how long has he been in this condition? And the man said, since he was a little boy, he's often thrown himself into the fire and tried to kill himself. But if there is anything you can do, please have pity on us. If you can, if you can help us, please, if, you, if it's possible for you, please help us. And Jesus responded, if I can. Are you tripping? Are you kidding? If I can, if I can, all things are possible for him who believes. Do you believe? And the man said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. All things are possible for him who believes. That's the question. Do you believe? Do you believe? When you hit a mountain of impossibility, do you believe? 
When you come to the Red Sea on one side and Pharaoh's army on the other, do you believe? When you find that the river is rushing and there's no way around it and there's no way across it, you got to go through it, do you believe? When there's no way around the fire, you got to walk through the fire, do you believe? Do you believe when you're past the deadline and it seems that all is lost, do you believe? It's in those seasons when we face impossibility that we're tempted to be weakened in our inner man. And the moment you begin to entertain impossibility in your heart and mind, you've already allowed your inner man to be weak. Paul commanded us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Unless you are standing in the constant awareness of God's mighty power, you are not strong in the Lord. To be strong in the Lord means that every situation you face, you face it from the place of strength. Jesus faced even his own death from the place of strength. He stood before Pontius Pilate and he said, don't you know that I have the power to take your life? He says, nobody has the power to take my life. I lay it down on my own accord. I'll take it back up again on my own accord. You'd have no power unless it was given to you by my father. You kidding me? You're facing your own death? No, I face my death in authority. I, this is not something that's happening to me. I have the power to lay it down. This is, a, this is a display of my power. I have the power to die. He said, are you a king? You're darn right I'm a king. For this reason I was born. Whew. You know why he was able to face his own death with power and authority? Hebrews 9.14 says, Through the eternal spirit he offered himself unblemished to God. Even his death was done under the anointing of the spirit of God. He did it through the spirit. You know, we talk a lot about bearing the cross as believers in Jesus Christ, but we forget that we can only bear the cross by the power of the spirit. What I'm saying to you tonight is that there is no excuse to allow for allowing weakness in our inner man. If my inner man is weakened, I've allowed it to become weak. I have to make a decision to grab a hold of strength and strengthen, be strengthened in my inner man and not allow myself to be weakened so that even if I'm facing the cross, I face it with strength. You know, the Lord has laid it on my heart just this week. That one of the reasons why he's speaking this to us, there's a number of reasons why he's speaking this to us. Number one, because we're a missionary church. Many of you are going to go. See, the thing is, you know, the Lord was showing me so strongly this week that people mature within a system and they think they're mature. But outside of the system, they can't function. Some of the most, some of the most spiritually mature looking people in the church are actually infants. Because they're only mature in the church. You put them in the church that they grew up in spiritually and they know how to be mature in that system. But you take them out of that system and drop them in the world somewhere where there's no system around them and they immediately crumble into the place of immaturity and a lot of times they backslide. And I've heard a lot of stories. I, I talked to a lot of missionaries around the world and you know, one of my friends, uh, a couple, they did a lot of missions in Turkey and they were telling me about these young missionaries that would come to Turkey full of zeal and end up backsliding and getting into all kind of comp compromising positions with the Turkish people. They went to reach the Turks and ended up in sin with the Turks. So in other words, the Turks reached them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go to reach people for Christ and instead they reach you for Satan. It's called reverse evangelism. And then they find themselves broken and they come to, he says, I can't tell you how many missionaries ended up at our church broken down. We had to restore these missionaries who came here to reach the Turkish people, but ended up needed to, needing to be reached by the time it was over. You know what happened? They had a weak inner man. And they did not understand the level of strength that would be required in their inner man for them to undertake this mission. They had matured within a particular church system in which they were surrounded by all kinds of pastoral uh, support and all kinds of fellowship support. But when that was removed, there was nothing holding them up anymore and they didn't know how to stand on their own. Their inner man was weak. Yeah. And the Lord has been speaking, to me, speaking this to me strongly because so many of us are going to go. So many of us are going to go. Some of you are going to go that don't know you're going to go yet. You still think you're just going to sit here in this congregation on your blessed assurance for the rest of your life. Some of you, God's going to speak to in the middle of the night and send you to China. Send you to North Korea. 
We're already preparing a team that's going to spend three months in Montawi this summer. You better be strengthening your inner man every day because when you get over there on the other side of the world where it's 105 degrees constantly and there's no air conditioning and the outward circumstances are designed to weaken you physically, if you don't know how to strengthen your inner man every day against the weakening of your outer man every day, you're going to be in trouble about three or four weeks into it. You hearing me? And so Paul says our outward man is wasting away. But we do not associate the outward man with the inward man. The opposite is happening on the inside. We're being renewed day by day. I don't care what your outward circumstances are. Your finances, that's an outward circumstance. Where you live, outward. Family situations, outward. Health, outward. Anything that you think might be an excuse for allowing yourself to be weakened In the inner man, it's all outward and it can waste away and die. But the inward man should still be being renewed day by day. Are you hearing me tonight? Because we allow these things to be excuses. Well, that's why I'm going through this. That's why I'm weak. That's why I'm moping around feeling like I have no victory. That's why I'm wallowing in this pit because I'm going through this. Because this is happening to my outward man. Paul said, I spent a night and a day in in the deep and was strengthened in my inner man. I was stoned and left for dead and got up strengthened in my inner man. I slept on the roads and was in danger constantly, but I got up and was strengthened in my inner man. I received 40 lashes minus one on three occasions and got up strengthened in my inner man. I was put in prison, but I was strengthened in my inner man. No matter what I went through, I was strengthened in my inner man. I was rejected by the Jews and came out stronger in my inner man. I was rejected by the Gentiles and came out stronger stronger than my inner man. I had no money and no place to live, but my inner man was strengthened. Are you hearing me tonight? And we have to learn this not only because many of us are going, but because I mark my words, the day is coming when in the United States of America, believers in Jesus Christ will have to seal their testimony in their own blood again. Persecution of believers is coming back to America. Mark my words, it will happen. And if you're not strong in your inner man, how are you going to stand up against persecution? How are you going to stand up when the entire world hates you? Jesus said, don't think it's, don't think it's a strange thing when the world hates you because of me. Servants not greater than his master, they hated me, they'll hate you. Young people, you can't handle peer pressure? How about death? (laughs) Come on, somebody. What I'm saying to you is when you are strong in your inner man, it doesn't matter what happens to the outer man. The inner man gets strengthened. You know, I love that story of Paul and Barnabas in in, uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas. They're in Roman stocks. In prison. Now, when they put you in Roman stocks, you seen those wood stocks that goes around your head and your arms are in there, closes over your head? They have them for the feet on the other side, Roman stocks. So your head and hands are on one side, your feet are on the other, and your body's hanging in the middle. It's very painful. After, after they had been beaten, and what are they doing? Let's have a worship service. Silas, I don't know about you, but I'm being renewed in my inner man right now. I don't know about you, but my body is broken, but my inner man is strong. I just, my inner man wants to worship the Lord. We stop worshiping when we look in our bank account and don't have enough money to pay a bill. We rob God of his praise because we don't have enough money to drive the car we want to drive. And Paul and Silas have been beaten and imprisoned, and they're going, Oh, my soul just wants to worship God right now. My inner man is strong. Now, don't get me wrong. All of us get tempted to allow our inner man to become weak. All of us do. I go through it a hundred times a day, you know, especially as I'm working on this dissertation. A hundred times a day, I hit a wall where I go, I don't know what comes next. I don't even know if what I just wrote is right. I don't know what research belongs here. 
And if, I know this is not the right research, but I don't know how to find the right research. I don't know how to reason. I hit walls a hundred times a day. And every time I hit a wall, the temptation comes for my inner man to become weak. And if I succumb to that temptation, then I start to entertain thoughts of hopelessness and despair. And then I start beating myself up and saying, oh, you're such an idiot and you can't do this and you might as well just quit and you know you're not cut out for this and you're not smart enough for this and you need to just let this go and how come God didn't come through? All all of those thoughts, all of those, that temptation comes, but I have to get a hold of my soul. I got to grab it by the throat and say, be strong in the Lord. Don't allow yourself to become weak. You're not allowed to become weak. David went through it. I love this passage here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30 when David and his men come back to Ziklag and they find it burned to the ground and all of their wives and children had been carried off and everyone turned against David. So first, he's got the sorrow of losing his whole family. His wives and children have been carried off. He's thinking, my wives have probably been raped. Some of my children might have been killed. They might have raped my daughters. Who knows what's going through his mind? And on top of all of that, his men start talking about stoning him. You think you've gone through a trial? (laughs) Man, at that moment, I don't know what I would do. If I come home and my wife and baby's been carried off, And then everybody, and then the whole church rises up and says, let's stone Pastor Benjamin. Look what it says here. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed. You see that? David was greatly distressed, which means the devil jumped in there and jabbed his inner man in in the... in the kidneys. His inner man instantly crumbled on the inside of him. His inner man got punched in the stomach and all the wind was knocked out. You see that? David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit, which means they were all weakened in their inner man. When you get weakened in your inner man, you not only feel weak, but you decide, a lot of times you decide you want to take it out on somebody else. When I feel weak in my inner man, I just want to beat up everybody around me. <laughs> David could have flipped the script and, and blamed them. I knew you should have stayed and guarded. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could have found a reason why it was their fault. But what does it say? But David found strength in the Lord his God. First, he was distressed, and then he stopped and said, no, wait a minute, no, no, i got to find strength in the Lord. He said, excuse me for a second. You can stone me in a second, excuse me. And he turned his back, and he, he did whatever he had to do to find strength in the Lord. I love the NKJV says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. David said, there's nobody to encourage me right now, so i got to encourage myself. There's no system of encouragement here for me, so I don't need a system. i got the Lord on the inside of me. My pastor's not here to speak a word of encouragement to me, so I'm going to speak a word of encouragement to myself. I don't, I don't even have the written word of God in front of me to go looking for a scripture, but i got the word hidden in my heart, and so I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I don't even feel the manifest presence of God right now, but I'm going to get a hold of my spirit and say, rise up, stop being weak. Rise up and be strong. This is not the time to be weak. It's the time to be strong. You hearing me tonight? It looked like all was lost. And when that moment hits you, when all is lost, when that moment hits you, when it's impossible, when your worst nightmare has come to pass, there is no logical reason For you to be encouraged or to hope for anything. That's where the test comes. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Not in the thought that anything was even possible. It's all impossible. Your wives and kids are gone. It's impossible. But he knew that with God, all things are possible. And so he said, let me stop and get a hold of God. I don't have to stop and get a hold of the answer. Let me stop and get a hold of God. This is the key. We wait till we have a solution before we get encouraged. We encourage ourselves in the solution instead of encouraging ourselves in the Lord. 
When you encourage yourself in the Lord, you say, I don't have an answer, but I got the Lord. It still looks impossible, but I got the Lord. The only thing I know is that with God, all things are possible. That's the only thing I know. I don't know how, but I know God. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know God's got my back. I know that with God, all things are possible. And David knew that in his state of distress, he couldn't get a hold of the Lord. God does not respond to prayers that are prayed through the spirit of fear. He doesn't respond. You could pray all day out of the spirit of fear. Why? Because the spirit of fear is demonic. And demonic prayers do not make their way to heaven. If you're praying out of a spirit of fear, you're speaking a demonic tongue and God does not understand it. And he will not seek an interpretation. Before he prayed, he encouraged himself. You see this? He didn't pray for encouragement. He encouraged himself and then prayed. He said, I need to bring my heart and mind into alignment with the truth. And the only truth I know is that my God is strong. And all things are possible for him. Are you hearing me tonight? All things are possible for him. The Lord spoke to me just the day before yesterday. He said, Benjamin, the things that you are experiencing... The things that you are standing before that seem impossible, I've taken you this, to this place to show you just how far my grace goes. And the Lord said to me, you still have too healthy of a sense of impossibility in your mind. So I have to take you to the edge of the impossible to show you that nothing is impossible for me. But the Lord said, by the time I'm done with you in this season, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all things, are imp all things are possible for me. The thing you need to realize is that in order for God to teach you that all things are possible, he must take you into the land called impossible. He must confront you with impossibility. He must flank you with impossibility on every side and then flip the script on it. That's how he teaches you that all things are possible. If God wants to teach you that he can raise the dead, he's got to kill you first. When he goes to teach you that he can heal the sick, he lets you get sick. When he wants to teach you that he's your provider, he allows you to go broke. When he wants to teach you that he can restore you, he allows you to be depleted. Everything that you're experiencing right now in your life is a lesson from the Lord. It is an opportunity. See, the thing is, impossibility is a trial for us, but it's an opportunity for God. Spiritual maturity is when you come to the place where impossibility looks the same to you as it does to God. When you are spiritually mature, you'll have the same perspective God does. You'll look at impossibility and you'll go, great, God, what are we going to do now? What's next? This is awesome. Can't wait to see what you're about to do now. Some of you are struggling even with things that look like bondage. Some of you are struggling with your sexual desires. And some of you, you feel like you're in sexual bondage, even bondage to sexual perversion. You know what's going on? God is showing you just how powerful he is to reverse the curse. And he's going to use you to minister freedom to others. He will not abandon your soul to the grave. He will not suffer you to see corruption. He's showing you, let me show you what I can break off of your life. And not just off of your life. It's a learning lesson. God needs you to know how powerful he is because he's going to use you to reach others. That'll reframe your whole perspective right there if you let it. If you're broke, he's showing you just how powerful he is to provide. He took you there for that purpose. You, you battle depression. You say, I don't know why. For years, I keep going back to that place of depression and back to that place of depression and back to that place of depression. He's showing you just how powerful his encouragement is. 
And when he brings you through it, when you talk to people who have gone through, who are going through the same thing you went through, you'll say, oh, I'm telling you, honey, (laughs) I got, I got stripes in this arena. I know God, you know, when God has pulled you out of something and you talk to somebody else who's going through the same thing you went through, you got all kinds of faith. You got crazy faith. Oh, that's no problem right there. We'll pray right now and break that thing off your life right now. I've got authority in that arena. Why? Because I went through it. I came out the other side. I was standing right where you're standing right now. I was looking impossibility in the face. I thought I would be there for the rest of my life. But God came through in my life and said, I'm breaking this thing. I'm reversing the curse. And I'm giving you double for your trouble. You've got to begin to expect that. But the way in which God releases his blessing and breakthrough in your life is he comes and strengthens your inner man. He strengthens your inner man. You know, this even works for the devil. <laughs> I was looking at, uh, what is this, First Samuel chapter 4. This is during the time when the Israelites had been wicked before the Lord and so God's presence had left them, but they didn't know it. That's scary. They were going to church as usual, jumping and shouting, hooping and hollering, and God had left, and they didn't even realize it. Who was there? Was a great Bible teacher that once said, "The Holy God could withdraw His Holy Spirit from the church today, and most churches would never realize it. It would take them twenty years to even realize that anything had changed." It says in in. Uh, First, first Samuel chapter 4 talks about the children of Israel. They were going to war against the Philistines. And the children of Israel said, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. Let's bring it out. The Ark of the Covenant, that's what they always did, was brought out the presence of God at the head of their army. Now it's just a gold box because God had left it. The glory had departed. Now it's just religion but no relationship and no revelation. But when they saw the sign of the presence of God, the gold box, when it went out, the people shouted. Look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Verse 5. When the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the count, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Sometimes when the people of God are shouting, they're just shouting. And there's no power in it whatsoever. Verse 6. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, What's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid and said, God has come into the camp. The devil was afraid because he heard the Lord had come into the camp of Israel. Watch this. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? They are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Verse 9. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews if they have been to you. Be men and fight. You see that? The Egyptian, the, the Philistines strengthen themselves. They encourage themselves. Come on, get a hold of yourself. Be a man. Verse 10, so the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated. Now, if if the children of darkness can strengthen themselves without the Holy Spirit, you see where I'm going with this? No revelation, but they can strengthen themselves. We got all kind of revelation and we're in the pit by Monday morning. It even works for the devil. (laughs) Isaiah 35, verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Look at your neighbor say, be strong. Look at your other neighbor say, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. When the Bible says be strong, it's talking about being strong in your inner man, not your outer man. It's not saying go do some (laughs) push-ups. You know what's a trip to me as bodybuilders? (laughs) You ever asked a bodybuilder to help you move something? They all got bad backs. Oh, no, I can't. It's my back. 
<laughs> they can't even lift a cooler of soda. <laughs> you know, destroy their bodies. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What's the point? The point I'm making is when God says be strong, he's talking about be strong in your inner man. Look at, look at what he says to Joshua. How many times does it say be strong? Be strong. Take courage. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And then he gives him the strategy. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth. You'll be careful. You'll meditate on it day and night and you'll be careful to obey it and teach it to your children. And so you'll have success in everything you do. And then he said, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of, of your life. Yeah. Be strong. How does he gain strength in his inner man? By meditating on the word of God day and night. You know what strengthens your inner being? The word of God. Yeah. It's not simply about self-encouragement. David didn't just encourage himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Paul does not simply command us to be strong. He commands us to be strong in the Lord. The problem is we're simply trying to give ourselves a pep talk instead of entering into the Lord, instead of turning our hearts toward the Lord, instead of meditating on the word of God, instead of keeping our minds set on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I'm saying that if you would allow God to strengthen you in your inner being, there's nothing that is impossible to you. And what happens is the devil takes you out of the game if you let him. He'll take you out of the game. And especially when you enter into the ministry. We're going we're gonna to kill this devil this year. In 2012, mark my words, we are going to put this devil to death. Because here's the key. As soon as you step into the ministry, every devil in hell comes out to weaken you in your inner being and take you out of the game. And you have to learn to recognize the weakening of your inner man. Before the devil takes you out. You think it only works on the people of the house? It works on the pastor twice as hard as it works on any of you. Three times as hard. Maybe ten times harder. The devil comes at me from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I go to sleep at night. And even during my sleep, the devil's working on me to weaken me in my inner man. Because if he weakens me, I lose heart. If I lose heart, I lose hope. If I lose hope, I lose joy. If I lose joy, I, I lose strength. But if I allow my, my inner man to remain strong in the Lord, if I keep my inner man connected to the Lord, and if I am conscious that my inner man has weakened, even in the smallest degree, and I bring it back to the Lord so that it can be strengthened, I tell you, no devil in hell can stop me. No devil in hell can stop you if you learn to be strong in your inner man. I want this to be an evaluation tool, a self-evaluation tool, as well as an encouragement tool. You can look somebody in the eye and see how their inner man is doing. You can look somebody in the eye and they'll tell you everything's okay, but you see right into their eyes, your inner man has been weakened. Strengthen it. And they'll give you all kinds of reasons why. Oh, I'm going through this and this happened. I'm going through this. I'm this. Say, no, 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 no. You be strong in your inner man. I know you're going through all of that outwardly. The outward man is supposed to waste away. But the inward man is supposed to be renewed Day by day, day by day, God is making me stronger. And that means that every day that goes by, your inner man should be stronger than it was yesterday. You hearing me? You should be able to say today, my inner man is stronger today than it was yesterday. Stronger, stronger. I don't care what you go through. You're going to be strong in your inner man. I'm saying that God is going to strengthen you with might. You're going to make a decision tonight that you're not going to embrace weakness. You're not going to embrace weakness. There is no circumstance or situation that's supposed to weaken your inner man. It should not be allowed. Nothing on this earth. My pastor called me last week on Thursday. and He said, how are you doing with your dissertation? I said, well, you know, I'm trying. and I'm. He said, listen to me, son. You've allowed yourself to live far too close to the border of defeat. And you've got no business being there. This thing is killing you. I can hear it in your voice. Now you wake up. You rise up and you come back to the place of strength. I didn't even realize that I had come that far. I didn't even realize that I was being defeated by this thing. And I said, well, if I could just make it through. He said, no, you stop right there. He said, God did not create you to simply barely make it through. You're constantly praying these little feeble, defeated prayers. Oh, Lord, please 
Just let me make it through. If you just give me enough. He said, may God never answer another one of those foolish prayers again. God's called you to rule. God's called you to rule. Now you rise up. Son, you rise up. You rise up right now. Let your spirit rise up. He said, I need to hear you say it. I need to hear you say, I need you to hear you say, I'm more than a conqueror. I need to hear you say, I'm going to rule. I'm going to reign with Christ. And I began to speak it and something broke on the inside of me and opened up on the inside of me. And I came back and I've been reigning ever since. I've been reigning. I felt like I was under this tremendous burden. Now I feel like I'm standing on a mountaintop. And I sit down at the desk to work on my dissertation and it doesn't oppress me anymore. I used to open my computer and it would oppress me. Open my computer and it would just grab me by the throat and start choking me. Do you have something in your life that oppresses you? Nothing should oppress you. God brought you out of Egypt. Nothing's supposed to oppress you. God set you free. Nothing's supposed to oppress you. You make a decision. I'm going to be strong. You're going to come back from that border of defeat and not live there anymore. You're coming back into the promised land. Are you hearing me tonight? You're going to live in victory and not in defeat. And not only that, but you're going to raise up others in their spirit and make them strong in their inner man. You're going to strengthen one another. And that's what Jesus said to Peter when Peter allowed himself to be weakened in his inner man. When Peter became weak in his inner man, he said, I'm going fishing. Going back to my old life. And Jesus met him there on the shore and made him breakfast. Do you love me? Remember what he said to him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. But he said, when you return, strengthen your brothers. He said, you're going to go through this dip. It's okay. I knew it. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. We all go through it. Abraham gets to the promised land in Genesis 12. Watch this. I got to say this. You with me? Is this okay? I'm, you're going to be strengthened tonight. I guarantee you. you're not going to leave here weak. God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. What, is the, what are the Chaldees? The Chaldeans. It's Babylon. He called him out of Babylon. Isn't it interesting that God calls his people out of Babylon and then his people go back into captivity in Babylon. God's people are always going back into that which he brought them out of. Babylon literally means confusion. He called him out of confusion and into clarity. When God brings you out of Babylon, he brings you out of confusion and into clarity. He never intended for you to live in confusion. When Abraham finally makes it to the promised land, he builds an altar to the Lord and begins to call on the name of the Lord. The first thing happens there before Genesis 12 is over is a famine hits. You know, when you go to the place God shows you, the place that he commands you to go, when he calls you, the first thing you encounter there is a famine. You say, God, I don't understand. I was obedient to you. I did what you said. Why is there a famine here? And because Abraham had not learned how to walk with the Lord, as soon as the famine hit, he said, I better go down to Egypt. Why? Egypt is always the place of provision. It was the place of provision for Abraham. It was the place of provision for Isaac. It was the place of provision for Joseph. And Joseph brought Jacob and all of his family there. And it was the place of provision. But the thing about provision is that if you live there too long, it becomes the place of bondage. Because after a while, you're not depending on the Lord to provide for you. You're depending on Egypt. And even Jesus went there for a short stint when he was a baby. Egypt's not a wicked place. It's just if you stay there too long. It can be used by God. But Abraham didn't bother to pray, is it time to go to Egypt or not? Abraham just said, there's food in Egypt. There's no food in the promised land. I'm going to Egypt. And he goes down to Egypt and then he gets there and now he's, he's subject to all kinds of fears because when you step out on your own and try to solve your own problems, now you've got to go all the way with it. So he says, the one thing I didn't think of is how fine my wife is. So he says, tell him you're my sister. Pharaoh takes her as his wife and God has to speak to Pharaoh and say, don't touch this man's wife. He's a prophet. He says, what? I'm going to kill him. No, no, no. Don't you say nothing to this man. Give him an offering. Ask him to pray for you. It'll be all right. Abraham comes home richer than he was when he left, but he knows he messed up and he came within an inch of his life. He gets back to the promised land, goes back to that altar and starts to call on the name of the Lord. It was his way of saying, God, I almost lost everything, but you kept me. You preserved me. Thank you, Lord. Now watch this. Isaac hits a famine. And he says, we're going to Egypt. But God speaks to him and says, no, don't go to Egypt. So. so but Lord, it's a famine. The ground is dry. I know it's a famine. So. And, and Isaac begins to sow in the dry ground in the barren wilderness. And everybody's laughing at him. 
But that year he reaps a hundredfold return. And everybody said, you're not from here, are you? You're not of this system. You're not one of us. You don't operate the way we operate. It's dry to us, but it's not dry to you because your God is Abraham's God. It's barren and unfruitful to us, but it's not barren and unfruitful to you because your God is Abraham's God. You're of a different lineage than we are. You're of a different seed. You're of a different world. You function out of a different system. God calls Abraham out of Babylon. He calls him out of Egypt. And then he drags Lot out of Sodom. God is constantly trying to drag us out of Babylon, which is confusion. And it's confusion that comes from leaning on our own understanding. He's constantly trying to drag us out of Egypt, which is depending on the world's wealth for provision. And he's constantly trying to drag us out of Sodom, which is seeking to please ourselves by our own power. And he wants us to live in the promised land. And that's where we depend on God for our clarity. We depend on God for our provision. And we depend on him to satisfy our every need. Abram lives in the promised land. And because he lives there, he's strong in his inner being. And no enemy can defeat him. I say to you that as God strengthens you in your inner being, no enemy can defeat you. You were created to reign. And it is high time that you begin reigning. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the word that has been sown in our hearts tonight. I command your people to be strong. I command your people to be strong right now. Strong. Lord, there are many in this house tonight that have allowed themselves to become weakened in their hearts, weakened in their minds. Right now I speak strength. And I just declare that strength is going out over the house tonight. Strength is going out. Strength is going out. Specifically, God says, don't worry about what you're struggling with. So I can feel the condemnation real thick over this room right now. And God's breaking it off you right now. You say, but my wounds are self-inflicted. Of course they are. Of course they are. Of course it's your fault. God doesn't care. I tell you, God is going to take what you're struggling with, break it off of your life, and make it a ministry. I want you to pay close attention to your struggle because it's your ministry. Your struggle is your ministry. He's forging it in you. He's forming it in you. He's forming you into the servant that he needs. You say, but I went through this fiery trial. I'm going through this fiery trial. God is using it to shape you. You say, but pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you something. There is nothing that you will ever go through that is not an instrument by which God will strengthen you. In everything you go through, the enemy's trying to weaken you and God's trying to strengthen you. Everything, be it good, bad, or ugly. Everything you go through, God is strengthening you through it. The enemy's trying to weaken you through it. You got to make a decision. I'm going to be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. And when Paul said to put on the whole armor of God that you might stand your ground against the wiles of the devil, he's saying stand your ground against the attacks of the devil that are trying to keep you from being strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because the devil is coming to weaken you. Because if he can bring you into the place of weakness in your heart and mind, he can pull you out of the flow of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God may look like it's weak, but it's always strong. It's never weak. The kingdom of God might look like defeat, but it is never defeated. God never fails. He never fails. He never fails. God will never fail you. God will never fail you. 
Some of you here are struggling to believe that. I'm telling you tonight, God will never fail you. I'm commanding your heart and mind to believe it. I'm speaking it to you by revelation tonight. God will never fail you. He has never failed you. He's never let you down. He is faithful to you. He is true. Strengthen you in your inner inner man today. I want you to be aware of the state of your inner man. And I want you to seek, you know, sometimes when my inner man gets hit, I got to call somebody. I can call a brother. I can call my pastor. I can call somebody and say, pray for me right now. I need to be strengthened in my inner man. Do you know what's powerful? Sometimes when I can't get a hold of my pastor, I can still hear his voice. And I can speak to myself what he would say. I preach sermons to myself, knowing what he would say if I could get him on the phone. I'd preach it to myself. And encourage myself in the Lord. Now you're strong. Now you're strong because God can take you and drop you anywhere because you know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. God wants to take you to the place where he can drop you in a country where you're the only believer there. And you'll transform that country instead of that country transforming you. Because you're strong. You're strong. You're strong. I speak strength over you tonight. I speak encouragement over you tonight. And I speak it through this Christmas season. You're going to be strong. Some of you have been battling sickness that just comes back again and again and again and again. In your mind, you're going to be strong against that sickness. You say, but I thought God healed me. Why does it keep coming back? No, 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 no. You know God healed you. Don't allow your inner man to be weakened so that you believe that you're still ill. You're hearing me tonight. I've seen people get delivered from demons, but because they still believe that they got the demon, it comes back. I've seen people get healed of illnesses, but because their inner man is weak and they think think they're still sick, the sickness begins to manifest again. I'm telling you that the strength of your inner man, it is strong enough to manifest the power of God in your life and to set you free from every attack of the enemy. I speak strength to you. I speak encouragement in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you.